GateWorld.net exclusive interviews. David Palfi. This is David Reed for GateWorld.net talking with David Palfi, SG1's Anubis. How you doing, David? Very good. How are you doing? I am doing great. Thanks for taking time to chat with us. My pleasure. Um, are the two gold lords you have played unique in any ways to other characters that you have ever done? Um, well, both uh, Sokar and Anubis, uh, David, are unique, uh, I suppose, because they're both villains who, uh, uh, from my point of view, they, they lust for personal power, you know, regardless of the consequences of their actions, mm -hmm. uh, what their actions have to any alien race, including their you know, fellow gold brethren. I mean, with these two gods, they live by, like so many other gods, they, they, they live by vanquishing those who oppose them. You know, mm -hmm. for fear that they will someday be vanquished themselves. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, this sort of it seems to be a trait among the the Gauls, and uh, probably stemming from their desperation, you know, to survive as a race. But uh, undoubtedly, will probably lead to the demise because the fact is, they're each one of them is out for their own, you know, personal gain. Right. Um, now, comparatively speaking, with other aliens or villains I've played. They're, they've been uh, driven by revenge or love. And, of course, you know, with both Sokar and Anubis, I mean, there's, there's not an ounce of love in any of those two, <laughs> two boys, you know. Um, and, of course, but sometimes when you are playing villains who have, you know, are driven more by what we would, um, you know, consider as more, more humanly um, uh, motivations, um, it sometimes becomes more... Um, complicated to play because of the interpersonal relationships that have been woven into the fabric of these characters. Right. Now, both Sokar and Anubis uh, don't really have these kind of relationships. They're not seen to have a series of personal relationships with others that pose a problem for them in making decisions over matters that define them as what we would call humans. Yeah. And as a result, they are not restrained or affected by human emotion or the morality of let's say, annihilating an entire race, you know, simply with the wave of a gloved hand as with Anubis or Sokar's, you know, penetrating glance. Right. Because I find in playing these kind of villains that are kind of bigger than life, you always try to find one particular characteristic that sets them apart um, from each other. And uh, these characters, of course, are fun to play because they are. They're bigger than life. Right. Um, and, you know, there's a sense of, What's nice about them, there is a sense of grandeur, you know, when, when playing them, because uh, the situation created uh, by the writing basically demands that of you as the actor and as a result of the character. Um, you know, but basically because you're not dealing with the, uh, you know, a badass street punks in a city turf war, you know. <laughs> They're more like, you know, something you know, like intergalactic samurais who, yeah. you know, basically outgrown their city neighborhood, right? And, yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I suppose because they are set apart because it appears that both Sokar and Anubis are seemingly very straightforward gods in the sense that they don't have a conscience about what they do. Uh, compared to speaking with other villains I've played, um, there is a sense of a conscience They've always, they've had a certain human quality about mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. um, but as I said, you know, with both Sokar and Anubis, and especially Anubis, because Anubis basically is just dis displaced energy. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he's just energy that's floating, 
inside this cloak and this veil, which, um, you know, makes him anything but what he is. He's just, um, um, how could I say, he's, he's evil incarnate. Yeah, he has every reason to believe he's a higher life form. Yeah, absolutely. And because, you know, I mean, um, <clears throat> he doesn't really have a form, you know, human form. I mean, who's to say what is lurking underneath there? That's a, <laughs> that's, a, that's a question that's often, you know, posed to me, you know, what is underneath that cloak? Well, you know, it's, the answer to that is, is you could uh, you could say a lot of things. I mean, the main thing is, is that... Um, uh, of course, he could be wearing women's underwear, like, <laughs> which, you know, as far as we know. But I mean, uh, I can say for sure that he actually isn't. But uh, <laughs> but it, it's funny because when you motivate these kind of characters, um, you have to find a reason why, obviously for yourself as an actor, why they are, even though they might come across like Anubis does as being sort of very um, singular in his in his way of thinking, yeah, you know, and his actions are very, there's no gray area, mm -hmm. you know, with, with especially with Sokar or, or Anubis. Um, they're very, you know, uh, menacing into, uh, characters who um, prey upon the fear of others, you know, and if, if somebody, and if, uh, if they're disappointed by somebody's inaction, they just do away with them, mm -hmm. you know. Right. When we interview an actor or actress who has portrayed a gold, we always enjoy hearing the response to this question. How did you prepare yourself to play a god, and how did you take that to the scene? Well, Dave, I, the preparation, I suppose, in playing a god is, is the same as, um, I suppose, in playing uh, anybody, um, any role that I take on. Um, mm -hmm. Even though, but with the gods, there's a sense of heightened reality that demands a slight reliance on the voice, articulation, body movement that you have to be aware of, but not to the extent that these kind of externals, which I may say, get in the way of what your emotional directives are. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, the only thing is you first, like anything, you you go at it uh, from the emotional perspective, you know, objective was why, you know, you, you try to give a justification emotionally why they do what they do. Mm -hmm. Um and then, of course, in that, because they are, as I said, characters of heightened reality, mm -hmm. um, you can afford to add a walk or, or, or a way that they look. Because the thing is, you're dealing with aliens, and I find that, you know, who's to say? The fun is finding a certain attribute with them that uh, you can put on. It's called an external, uh -huh. you know, uh, hand movement, the way they look. Um, that sets them apart from the human race. Uh -huh. Even though, yes, a lot of the gods are have penetrated, you know, human form. But mm -hmm. the thing is, there's always I find is something interesting if you could find something that is non-human about the way they they move. Mm -hmm. um, but I think that's basically the difference. Uh, or you know, I mean, it's basically uh, you, you treat it the same as anything, except you know, you just. Have, um, with playing with these gods, you're you're able to add that extra, that extra, um, how can I say that uh, extra external onto um, playing the character. Okay, sure. Um, Gate World reader Mariah, she would like to know how you became involved with Stargate. Um, 
I got involved with Stargate like most actors, you know, via the audition process mm -hmm. when, uh, you know, they're casting for actors or uh, to portray the various roles that they're introducing. Um, sometimes, of course, you get lucky and you score a character that may uh, appear seemingly insignificant at first glance but grows into something of substance like Sokar. Mm -hmm. For example, right. you know, sometimes they call you in for an audition and um, it's half a dozen lines and it seems a very simple character. But after you get the audition and they give you the job, and then, of course, they introduce you to the concept that they had behind this character and what they would like to see. Right. And, of course, all of a sudden, it grows into something more uh, than, you know, uh, you initially had perceived. So that's basically like so many actors, you know, David. That's my uh, introduction also to Stargate, you know, via the, uh, the, the audition situation. Okay. Sure. Did you did you perform the voice of Sokar in Serpent Song? You know, it's interesting that question. Uh, I it's funny because I you know in doing Sokar, um, I did some what's called ADR in post production for some some lines in some of the other episodes, and I'm sure Serpent Song was one of them. Oh, okay. Though I can't, to be honest, uh, say for sure. <laughs> but um, uh, again, they. Um, they don't, you know, if they hire you as the actor and you are playing Sokar, yeah. they're not going to hire somebody else to do the voice, you know, even if it's, um, you know, a voiceover or something, they'll, they'll hire you to do it. Okay. Okay. So, so basically when you get the part, you've got it for good. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they don't, just like Anubis, I mean, the funny thing with Anubis is, you know, it appears that anybody could be underneath that cloak. I mean, my, <laughs> yeah. my, my mother could be there, right? <laughs> or, you know, playing that. And you just get uh, somebody with the male voice to, uh, you know, say the lines. And, of course, they flange it. And as a result, some of the, the finer inflections, you are, are kind of washed over. Uh -huh. And as a result, anybody could be underneath that cloak. Uh -huh. But yeah. the good thing about... Um, that show is when they hire you for playing that character, uh, regardless of the um, the demands, um, whether it is simply a voiceover, they get you to come in and do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, maintain. Like I said, um, you know, when they flange the voice again, you know, that um, depending on how deep that flange is, I mean, uh -huh. basically anybody could be doing it. Uh -huh. So, basically, they they like to keep authenticity. It's sorry. They they like to keep authenticity with the characters and to make it yeah. I mean, true. because the thing is, it's you know after you, it's like anything. After you're given the um, the role, um, you know initially it's always you know it always starts with the writer's idea, mm -hmm. and then the writer uh, you know gets into script form, and then then it's the directors mm -hmm. initially who works with you a little bit off the top mm -hmm. to kind of give you a conceptual idea of what they want in mind in relation to the rest of the show. But after you start doing it, after, you know, your first episode, second episode, basically you take over. Mm -hmm. It's no longer um, the writer has given you the seed, but you now take over the character mm -hmm. and it becomes yours. It, mm. And as time goes on, the more episodes you do, the less the more it becomes yours and the less it is theirs, if you understand. Yeah. You yeah. know, because, and then as a result, they start writing certain things um, around also
also what you do, which gives them ideas. So then uh-huh. it's, uh, again, it's, it, it's funny. It's like a symbiotic sort of relationship, <laughs> you know, which uh, uh, develops, which is always, um, um, how could I say, it's, it's, it's kind of a journey in itself, uh-huh. you know, and it's a creative journey, which uh, is built on trust. Uh-huh. You know, the, you trust what the writer is giving you, and the writer has to trust what you're doing with it. And, of course, the, the director does that, too. And then the writer is kind of the go-between. Uh-huh. So, basically, you start following their lead, and then as the character moves on, they begin to follow you. Well, yeah, I supp- to some extent. But, you know, I mean, I, I, I'd see it more as, um, I suppose, it is like that. But then again, there is never... Um, you never, how can I say, you're never without the creators as the actor, you know? I mean, you can, you kind of, it's a gentle leading of what's, you know, for example, an episode happens where the writing somehow doesn't quite suit the situation. Uh And you as the actor, you come up with the answer to that, Uh you know? And so, because, and they will, and of course, it's it's built on a trust factor. Uh They will trust you um, to if it needs to be changed, to change that, you know, to make it work. Uh-huh. And, of course, you know, the director or producer, you know, they're watching you to, to make sure. I mean, they'll have the final say regardless of what you do. But as time goes on, they are going to uh, trust you more and more with coming up with the right choice. Right. If it is necessary, but for the most part with Stargate, everything is very organized and... Um, there's little to do with really changing the dialogue, and especially when it does come to something, someone like Anubis, um, because he is a he is a god of very little word, <laughs> you know, and big actions. Yes. You know that's 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 what he is about. He doesn't say very much, but it's what the response is behind what he says, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. what's important. So, and and that's kind of one of the keys too playing somebody like that mm-hmm. you know of course as an actor you're always anxious to get lots of dialogue but you know for a character like him where you're just looking at a void mm-hmm. basically you know a void under a hood um, and there are no um, sort of noticeable uh, voice inflections because of the flange and there are no um, how can I say um noticeable uh, uh, facial gestures or eye glances, things for you as an audience to hold on to while the words are being spoken, you easily can fall in the trap of, of just listening to something that just eventually has no weight behind it. Yeah. What I'm basically it. saying is that a character like that can be given too much to say. That's why, for example, like Sokar, he can get away with saying more because of the fact is you can do more with your face and with to under um, uh, to underplay things. Mm-hmm. Right, with his presence and the candles yeah. and everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, he Sokar. I mean, you appeared as him in in uh, two episodes, Joe and R's Memories and The Devil You Know, mm-hmm. and then he got blown away. Yeah. Did you feel he would return? Um, yeah, David, I, I, I've, for the longest time, had hoped, and of course I hoped in vain, <laughs> you know, um, and, um, 
it was nice that uh, Michael and uh, some of the other creators and Peter DeLuise, as a result of um, killing him off mm -hmm. when they did, um, they found that they were a bit disappointed uh -huh. um, that Sokar had not lived longer. And I think also, you know, I, I too was so disappointed because he was... Um, he was a very enjoyable character to play. Yeah, very and I cool. Think that he had great, great potential. Uh huh. That character of being um, a really sort of um, um, colorful mm -hmm. uh, god to play. Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, in the back of my mind, for the longest time after um, we had shot those episodes, um, there was hope, yes, that he would come back. And of course. Um, there were murmurs or, you know, rumors that he may be coming back mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. So you hold on the, uh, onto that, those, those, so to speak, rumors for a while, but eventually, you, you know, you have to let them go because that's what they are. They're just rumors. And, um, you know, all those decisions, as I'd mentioned, are up to the writers. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's no sense in second-guessing what the writers um, uh, feel they want to do with a character or characters, you know. Well, in a few ways, he did come back. You know, his yeah. spirit formed into what made Anubis. Yeah. Especially I was very lucky with that because um, I know a part of that, you know, that's, you know, when you, um, when you end up um, playing another character uh, in a show, uh, especially like um, Stargate, mm -hmm. you know, I suppose they, it comes from, Decisions made by either Michael or, or Peter Deloise, Greenberg or Peter Deloise, mm -hmm. um, where they may see you, you know, they, they've seen something in Sokar that they wanted to, they felt was uh, useful mm -hmm. or could be usable for Anubis. Mm -hmm. And I think that was one of the things that um, uh, helped me uh, get Anubis because I suppose with Sokar, um, with both. Playing uh, Sokar and Anubis requires a quality of menace that is conveyed through stillness. Mm -hmm. um, being evil is kind of easy, but the strength of that power is found in how you kind of communicate that evil. Yeah. See, regardless of the reason, though, I must say that, um, you know, I'm grateful to Michael and Peter DeLuise and, and also to Martin Wood and John Smith and the rest of the, the executive um, staff at Stargate because I've enjoyed the journey with both characters and I must say I'm grateful to those who have created the show you know you never know you know the the the, the length or how how many episodes you're going to end up playing on the show because as you know especially with sci-fi you know one moment you're alive and next moment you're dead but then <laughs> next moment you have a rebirth you know, it's the, so it, it keeps you guessing GateWorld.net, your complete guide to Stargate.